On March 29th, the world will be watching as the United Nations General Assembly votes on the ICJ advisory opinion on climate change, a decision that could change the course of our planet's future, our rights to fully enjoy to live on this planet, and the rights of future generations. The resolution, spearheaded by Vanuatu and a core group of 18 states, seeks to clarify what the obligations of states are in protecting the rights of current and future generations from the adverse effects of climate change. It would also ask the court to define what the legal consequences under these obligations are for states which, through their acts or lack of action, have caused harm to the climate system. Climate change is not just a looming threat, but a reality that is already affecting our world in devastating ways. Rising sea levels, food and water insecurity, conflicts, disasters or disease, floods, droughts, heat waves, hurricanes, ocean acidification and other extreme weather events are just some of the effects we are experiencing. The devastating impact of climate change is especially evident in the Pacific, as demonstrated by the recent Category 4 tropical cyclones, Judy and Kevin, that swept through Vanuatu in the same week, early in March, leaving a trail of destruction. The country is still in the process of recovering from the aftermath of these powerful tropical storms. Unfortunately, this is just one of the many incidents where climate change has caused significant damage to our world. As global temperatures continue to rise, we are seeing more and more extreme weather events that exacerbate the, ex the effects of climate change. Small island nations in the Pacific are among the most vulnerable to the devastating impacts of climate change. Rising sea levels, ocean acidification, and extreme weather even pose significant threats to this, this low-laying island nations, which are home to millions of people. Rising sea levels are also causing increased coastal erosion, in inundation of low-laying areas, and saltwater intrusion into freshwater sources. This is leading to displacement of communities, loss of land, and damage to infrastructure. The unique geography of these islands' nations makes them particularly vulnerable to the impacts of extreme weather events, such as tropical cyclones, which can cause significant damage to homes, businesses, and critical infrastructure. The evidence is clear. Human activities have caused climate change, and it's up to us to take action. And how might this advisory opinion from the ICJ help? It will help states better prepare the domestic climate targets and policies, as well as catalyze more ambitious climate collaboration among states to meet the world's collective goals of the Paris Agreement. Enter the International Court of Justice, or ICJ, the only principal organ of the UN system that has not yet been given an opportunity to help address the climate crisis. The UN General Assembly can request an advisory opinion from the ICJ on the legal implications of, the climate, of climate change, and this decision could encourage more ambitious pledge, pledges from states and send a clear signal to current and future generations that we are committed to protecting our planet. The initiative that is spearheaded by Vanuatu and a co-group of 18 states who have dra drafted a question to ask the court was the brainchild of a group of 27 law students at the Amelis campus from the University of the South Pacific in Vanuatu. The resolution will be tabled by Vanuatu and a co-group co with 120 as co-sponsor states to seek to clarify what obligations of states are in protecting the rights of current and future generations from the adverse effects of climate change. It also aims to help bolster climate action and help bring us closer to avoiding cl climate catastrophe. Civil society groups across 130 countries have also written 
to the all the UN member states, urging them to support it and have endorsed the proposal. But this story is not just a story about climate change, but also a story of inspiration, courage, and determination that will leave you in awe of the power of young people to make a difference. Join me, Dr. Mary Tarisovic, on Coming to the Mat as we follow the journey of these amazing students and their fight for a better future in this three-part podcast series. In the first part, we will hear from two members of the group, young climate activists from the Pacific Island Students Fighting Climate Change, or PISFCC, that I had the opportunity to chat with this young climate activist to discuss how they got started and how they are using the education to fight the climate crisis that's affecting climate island nation, Pacific Island nations and the rest of the world. They told me about what inspired them to get involved and how they're making a difference. In the second episode, our media team at MW team will speak to or spoke to Solomon Yo, who is the campaign director of the youth-led organization, the Pacific Island Students Fighting Climate Change, and his role in driving the campaign from the classroom where the idea was born to where they are today and how his role in leading the charge towards a better future for our planet and his responsibility, including coordinating the and organizing campaigns and building partnership with local leaders and organization and also advocating for climate justice on a global level. Here is what he had to say when asked what this would mean for Vanuatu and the Pacific region. And I quote, the adaptation or adaptation of the resolution calling for an advisory opinion from the ICJ would be of significant help to the Pacific as it would initiate a process that would build momentum in global climate action by raising awareness, influence, influencing policy decisions and strengthened legal frameworks, including the UNFCCC. Most importantly, it would allow for the human rights implications of climate change to take to be seriously considered, which has remained a gap in responding to the climate crisis. For Vanuatu and the Pacific region, the climate fight is one of survival and an adversary opinion will be a catalyst in bringing the world back to the 1.5 degree target and will remain a tool that will continuously guide the world to take stronger climate action to avoid a climate catastrophe. For the region, this is about securing securing a future for current and future generations and ensuring that the homes, livelihoods, cultures, and traditions, which are all threatened by the climate crisis, remain a significant part of the future. End of quote. And finally, the third episode focuses more on the role of the Vanuatu government in leading the campaign to seek an advisory opinion from the ICJ on climate change and human rights. I will be speaking to two guests, which I know you will be very interested to hear from. So stay tuned for an enlightening conversation with Mr. Malcolm DeLesser and the ambassador to the United Nation and to the US, Mr. His Excellency Otto Teffi. So let us all be part of this movement towards a sustainable and just world. Don't miss out on this incredible story. So stay tuned after the break. is happening to our world have you ever stopped to notice what does it take for you to see 
also not just another story about politics and international law. It's about the most pressing issue in the minds of many vulnerable communities around the world, particularly for small island nation states, who are the most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change, despite contributing only a small fraction of the world's total grand greenhouse gas emissions. It's worth noting or reflecting 
on the significant role that the Pacific youth have played in driving this initiative from the low campus of the University of the South Pacific in Vanuatu. These young people have been the in integral part of this effort, the beginning part of this effort of the ICJ campaign right from the get-go as we approach this crucial vote and, and as we eagerly anticipate a global solidarity for the sake of our planet and humanity. When no one was pushing for anything concrete and ambitious and global in its nature, um, we were there. We were the students who came up with the idea. In 2019, 27 USB law students from eight Pacific Island countries decided to launch a campaign with the aim of pursuing Pacific Island Forum leaders to take climate change and human rights issue to the International Court of Justice. The idea was conceived during a learning by doing exercise in USP's International Environmental Law course. Cynthia Hui, a Master of Law student at the University of New South Wales and President of Pacific Island Students Fighting Climate Change, PISFCC shared that their professor challenged them to find the most progressive and ambitious climate change action that Pacific Island leaders could initiate in international legal process. The goal was to reach and choose an action, then lobby the leaders to take it forward. However, when the 2019 Pacific Island Forum PIF leaders merely acknowledged the proposal, the group of 27 legal students began devising a campaign to combat it and form what is now called the Pacific Island Students Fighting Climate Change, and launched a global youth campaign for an international court of justice opinion on climate change. Dr. Mawson Moses, a senior lecturer in public international law and international, emphasized that the that an ICJ opinion on climate change would have widespread implications for policies and court ruling worldwide. Their main goal is to seek an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice on climate change and human rights. Now, this youth-led climate advocacy organization has been relentlessly advocating for an advisory opinion on the climate and human rights from the United Nations International Court of Justice. Their campaign is to address the world's biggest problem, the climate change, and their goal is to protect the rights of current and future generations from the adverse effects of climate change and promote intergenerational equity. They believe that an advisory opinion will serve as a legal catalyst for action and help clarify international law on the subject. This advisory opinion would serve several goals, cementing scientific evidence towards action, seeking ambitious goals around the Paris Agreement and, and being the legal framework that integrates human rights into international climate efforts. So the PISFCC, or Pacific Island Student Fighting Climate Change, has grown now from 20, just 27 members to now having members from every Pacific Island nation, representing all age groups from primary school students to high school students, with the majority being the university students. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't have any setbacks because despite some setbacks, their efforts became a reality when in 2021, Vanuatu announced its intention to seek an advisory opinion from the ICJ on climate change and human rights. So with the support of the Vanuatu government, the Pacific Island Forum was able to secure a visual endorsement by the 18 leaders of, Pacific, of the Pacific to commence the process of seeking an advisory opinion. I started following this campaign or their campaign back in late 2021 and immediately got on board and I started getting behind the efforts 
one of the things that I did was I invited two of the members, Vizal Vazed from Fiji, who is one of the original members of the group, and Atia, Atida from the Marshall Islands to come to the mat to tell this story. And that was around November of 2021, just a month before the COP26, which was the 26th United Nations Climate Change Conference held in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom, from the 31st of October to the 13th of November 2021. And here is my conversation with them, talking to them about their roles and basically how the group got started and learning uh, got started as a learning by doing exercise. Hello, this is Coming to the Mat, podcast from the Melanesian Women Today Impact Service Series. Told through the lens of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women, the Mat series seeks to break cultural barriers and invite listeners to hear real human stories of making a difference. The stories you will hear from the series balance diverse interests and weave together the story of courageous women who dedicate their lives to making a difference in their communities and country. Coming to the Mat series is a safe space that allows for women in the Pacific to use their voices. It also explores the integral aspects of women's lives all across the South Pacific and gives the listener a window into the many different issues women face through storytelling. Not just 
symptoms of injustice, signs of inequalities, gender injustice. So gender empowerment will help remedy this. We will sing, yes, and we will fight. We will make sure that our Responsibility of your own emissions. Don't you know your pollution? Pacific Islands are all in crisis. Our islands are sinking and climates are changing. We demand that our voices be heard. Negotiate, be inclusive as much as you can. Intergenerational, in every age and in every race. Intersectional, in every gender and every class. Uh, we won't be pushed aside, no, we won't be marginalized. Together with one voice, Pacific rise up and say. Welcome to Coming to the Mat, where we welcome our listeners and visitors around the globe to take their seat on the mat with us here and share this safe space, uh, talking about stories from oceanic people, individuals, youth alike, and women and communities who are making a difference in their own lives, communities, and countries, respectively. I am Dr. Mere Sovic, and your host for today. This is episode 14. We are going to talk about uh, climate change today. So um, if you are tuning in this uh, time of the year, we know that a lot is going on. So it's just a perfect time to be talking about climate change. So um, we talked a lot about owning our stories here on Coming to the Mad podcast. And in a sense, broadening and accessibility by broadening and deepening the role of Pacific Island, particularly young people fighting uh, climate change. So today I'm excited to have with me a group of Pacific Island students who call themselves Pacific Island Students Fighting Climate Change. It is a youth-led organization whose members are students from uh, around the Pacific Islands. So something that we haven't really done on coming to the mat before, so this is our first time. So I'm excited to be talking to this group of students and their role in the space of climate urgency and making their voice heard. I'm excited to talk to them about their work. They've been uh, on a stand and they made a stand, in fact, on the fact that climate change is threatening the livelihood of people in the Pacific and are campaigning to see an adversary opinion for the International Court of Justice on Climate Change and Human Rights. So welcome everybody. I'm glad to have you all here with me. Um, if we can um, talk about a little bit about your work and what is, uh, Pacific Island students fighting for climate change. Any anybody can um, take the the mat. <laughs> I'm so happy to have all of you here. Thank you for having us, Dr. Mere Sovic. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So my name is Akina. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm Marshall Islands, and I'm a third-year law student at the USP, and I'm based in Vanuatu. And I currently, um, I'm currently joining. Um, sorry, I serve on uh, PISS Double as the awareness uh, chairperson. Mm-hmm. So my job is basically revolving around um, raising awareness of our campaign and talking about, you know, who we are to people. So basically, exactly this. But yeah, so your question about what is PISSC? So you covered um like a like a pretty much most of it in your introduction. We're a youth-led organization, um, campaigning for an advisory opinion. Our mandate is really twofold. So the first one is to educate and activate young people about the climate issues in our society, and hopefully to inspire them to take action for it. And secondly, is a more legal and political is to campaign in in our in supporting states to obtain an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice on climate change and human rights. Very good. So I saw that on your website. So it's a it's a stand uh, to basically, so you believe in the fact that, um, you know, it's a fundamental human rights and the dignity and worth of human per, uh, a person in equal rights of all. So um, just tell us a little bit, tell the people a little bit about how this group came to be. So the group actually uh, started with 27 law students in 2019. Okay. Uh, they were students for, of international environmental law. Uh, they decided to, you know, sort of band together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea for um, an IEL, for the, the idea for an AO actually started um, with these 27 students. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, personally, I wasn't one of them. I actually joined uh, just last year, but I think Vishal may be able to offer more insight as to, you know, the, the origins of. Okay. Yeah, so um, what happened was, yeah, it, it began in the classrooms, actually. Uh, it began with these 27, with the 27 law students, part of a USP international environment law class. And then um, it was this desire, it was this um, passion to learn, to take what you learn in the classrooms and apply it in the real world. What can we do? How can the legal space, how can the law help and contribute to its addressing climate change? Mm-hmm. And so there was a there was some re- brainstorming done, some ideas were thrown around on what is the best pathway. So the advisory opinion from the ICJ was, was said to be the most ambitious and probably something that could have a uh, great benefit in terms of the Pacific uh, Pacific's voice in addressing climate change. And so it began with that. So initially it began with just writing letters to our leaders in the Pacific, asking them, hey, would you want to support, would you want to consider an advisory opinion on climate change and human rights to help um, speed up action, motivate more action, and, and and just get us on the right track. And so that was just the humble beginnings of the organization. And from there, we saw support from um, from civil society, from students, from NGOs, from from academics, leading academics, and and, and also just recently, you would have uh, the announcement from the government of Vanuatu came through that they are now taking this campaign forward uh, mm. strongly, very actively. And so that's a great win. And so. Um, I guess that's that's the very very brief origin story of the of the organization. Very good. So you heard that from uh, Fisal, uh, who is based in Fiji, and then before that was Anita. So are they? Uh, how many? Other, how many uh, are totally all together right now um, in the group that are actively, you know, in their own communities uh, and being part of uh, Pacific Island students fighting for uh, fighting climate change? How how many all together? So we have we have four chapters in the Pacific at the moment. Uh, there mm-hmm. is a chapter in Fiji, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, and Tonga. And collectively, uh, since we started in 2020 and all of this, so it's been we our campaign's been uh, we we faced COVID-19 and the pandemic. So a lot of our campaign and recru- uh, membership gathering, recruiting, all of these things have been have had to be done online. Mm-hmm. So we've got at the moment um, a good. 100 or so members of the organization registered um, and uh, in, in some way or the other interested or involved with the organization. It's not that all 100 are active, but in some way they are associated with the organization. And uh, But um, more interestingly, from the Pacific, um, this uh, this movement, this momentum has gone to the global stage and you be aware of the world's youth for climate justice. So that's also uh, part of how um, and, and they're a very active a group of campaigners, young campaigners that have 
uh, taken this campaign on from the Pacific into the global uh, global stage. So how do you um, formulate your ideas? Do you formulate ideas around issues that, because uh, obviously we can't, <laughs> you know, it would be a joke to say that no, you know, nobody believes in climate change because that you know, to Pacific Island people like myself and, and uh, the rest of us, uh, it is a part of the life that we live. It's a part of, uh, you know, and we, we're trying to live within how to be, um, uh, sustain our life in a way that as much as we can uh, possible. And so what are the, you know, what are some of, because we know it's a huge issue um, and we know the leading causes of the, the climate change, but how do you go about as a group to focus particularly on the areas of around, you know, in terms to do with law? Like what kind of, uh, what are the issues that you get to pick to talk about in, in your group and then go out and do your campaign? specifically like what give me an example of one of the the pressing issue um like you just mentioned about Vanuatu government stepping forward um are there any other uh, other issues around you know in terms to do with law that you think that should come into uh being part of of your group and how you can go about and, and um you know make a voice about that and, and, and get people into that space to recognize that that is something that we need to talk about? Yeah, sure. So the idea of this campaign, um, the, the main issue that we're trying to draw attention to the uh, and we're trying to get clarification, um, an advisory opinion is essentially a clarification from the court on uh, an area of international law or, or, a, or a body of international law on a topic on a specific question that would be asked. So what we are taking, what we're asking the issue is on the idea of human rights mm -hmm. and intergenerational equity. So we are saying that uh, the climate crisis and climate change is now affecting our human rights. So this is from your rights to life, mm -hmm. the most significant essentially, down to all the ways such as your right to food, water, uh, sanitation, housing, um, all the way through. So all of these rights are already, we know that they're interconnected. And so this interconnected body of rights is now being affected by climate change. And so there needs to be a way for us to guarantee the protection of our rights and the rights of future generations. And that draws in the discussion on intergenerational equity. So it's not just about people that are here on the planet right now, mm -hmm. but it's also about people who are to come and their ability to enjoy the right and fully enjoy these rights we currently have. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, the way the inter, the regime and the world is heading in, in addressing climate change, it, do, it does not seem very promising in, in this regard. And so we need, and we see that the advisory opinion is a way to probably catalyze greater action in this regard. So hopefully we can, through this, we can get more states to, we can get a clarification on our, what is, what I would say, what we would say is our legal question. What are the obligations of states towards current and future generations in addressing uh, in, in addressing the effects of climate change and the human rights. So it's it's that two pronged approach that we're trying to take and, and mm. seeing that the law answering this um, in, in these two areas. Very nice. And I think that that's a really good, um, I guess you, you'll say it in from a, a research perspective, you'll say that that's your, you know, your problem statement, like you're making a statement and you're saying that, you know, in, in terms of getting the human rights and then adding with the intergenerational uh, equity. So what are the countries apart from Vanuatu to have stepped forward? So other than Vanuatu, so government of Vanuatu is the first. And so in, in, in order to understand the whole process, you need a state or a coalition of states that should be willing to sponsor uh, or take the resolution to the UN General Assembly, who will then vote on such a resolution, uh, whether to refer the matter to the ICJ or not. So Vanuatu has now come on board to say that they would be that state that can begin the process of uh, building a coalition and tabling this or putting this to the General Assembly. So essentially, this is this is uh, the first state that would um, that will be the leading state in this. So, but other than the government of Vanuatu, we have we have seen support. We've been speaking with governments uh, with with representatives from across the Pacific, um, and they have shown uh, some support, some um, 
some level of uh, engagement into the into the campaign. So we've been speaking with the governments of Solomon Islands, uh, Vanuatu, uh, Fiji, Tonga, and uh, even Australia, New Zealand. And so we've been um, a lot of things are now in the initial stages, but we have seen some promising signs of support. And and I think this would be a uh, it's it's going to be good days ahead after, now that we have a state that's gone out publicly to to take the to to actually say that they're going to take the matter forward. Well, this is a good, uh, you know, good beginning and good breakthrough for your organization. Mm. Yeah, it is. So I, need, so I need to tell me a little bit about your, um, you know, so as the awareness chair, your, your, your role in this, how are you doing that in your home country? Uh, thank you for the question, Dr. Mary. I'm actually based in Vanuatu because I'm oh. attending the USC. <laughs> My <laughs> homeland, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, doing um, climate activism work on the side of full-time studies is not mm -hmm. an easy feat. Yeah. But uh, I managed to do it just by, you know, firstly, the this field is one. I wouldn't say that it's the best, but it's okay time management. And secondly, is just simply having the passion for um, fighting for climate action. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's. One of the ways I've been doing this is being heavily involved with um, the VCAN, the oh. Climate Action Network here. So whenever mm -hmm. they have events or campaign plans, you know, there's uh, PIZCC is always a participant in those activities. Mm -hmm. Another way is through my involvement with um, PICAN, let's be the Ireland's Climate Action Network. Oh, so another colleague of mine at the PISFCC is also a member of the Secretariat of PICAN. Mm -hmm. so that's one way that we, you know, awareness of not only just you know climate issues but as well as the icjao campaign you know we make an effort to make sure um icjao is involved and is, or is mentioned in all these campaigns that they that they run so yeah that's one way of that's one way that we sort of get mm. ourselves involved okay so um this uh, how how often do you guys all meet together do you have a time where you get together on zoom and uh, and and discuss uh, follow up with you know like for instance with the vanuatu government how do you do that yeah so we have we've, we have members on the ground in these four chapter countries so they do have regular meetings in their um in places where they don't have COVID restrictions so we'll say solomon islands and vanuatu where you can gather you can meet um, so they do have these meetings, they do have uh, member engagement activities and, and uh, awareness sessions, all of these things, they do take place, uh, but they happen within chapters at the moment. So each chapter is responsible for organizing and we, we work through through that way in order to current in current COVID times to be able to get our members up to par and up to date with what's happening and, and just get them to be involved in the, in the campaign. Okay. Well, that's that's really good. Anything about the current uh, meeting right now in post voices uh, now in Europe um, that's happening? The meeting. Do you guys have that discussion? Um, and keep up with that. Cosco. Uh, what is it again? Now I can't remember the name of the country that the meeting has been held at. But the climate change. Um, in Glasgow, you. Glasgow. Yes. So how do you keep up with the, the news there? Do you have a, a representative that's there or do you have sort of a partnership with any other organization that's attending from from the different islands who are attend, attending? Um, so we're, we're able to send a delegation to Glasgow mm -hmm. to attend the COP. In fact, mm -hmm. in fact, our campaign director is already there and Michelle mentioned that he's going today, so he'll be joining him in Glasgow. Wow. Um, my other my colleague and I are also um, due to go as well. We weren't able to catch the flight last Friday because of COVID restrictions. Yes. Catching, we're currently working to you know, be able to get uh, permissions in country after being, yeah, hopefully if all goes well. Um, my, myself and another colleague, uh, she's mm -hmm. from the Solomon Islands. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll be able to go as well. So, yeah, so that's Tell us, tell me what, what, when you get there, what, what are the things that you're going to be, um, you know, what is the one message that you, you guys, your group would like to, to give? Uh, Go ahead, so, Michelle. <laughs> sure. Um, so I, I guess in terms of the activities, the first part, um, the activities that we will be doing uh, is we, 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 we would like to get 
more awareness on the advisor opinion and mm -hmm. we're trying to get more people to be involved in the whole campaign so um, we are currently having uh, three side events we're planning for three side events at cop two of these are in the blue zone and the third is on uh, law and governance day at the university of glasgow so these are three side events that we have very we're working on getting key people in in as panelists but also as, as guests to be able to to engage and to have maybe some level of buy-in into the whole campaign because cop is this very good congregation of everyone and anyone on climate change and everyone who's working on the climate space it brings this wonderful opportunity to get people to, in, to be involved and support the campaign in in whatever capacity so that's that's the goal at cop at the moment is to represent first the pacific and also the the youth voice of uh youth voice for an advisory opinion at, on climate change and human rights so how do you get into those uh, those discussions? Do you get invited to it or do you write and see if you can get in? How does that work? Uh, so we, uh, all our members are currently credited with our respective government delegations. So um, we, are, we have uh, a great team of net, uh, youth campaigners uh, across the world, um, some in Europe who have, and together uh, in partnership we've been able to manage these side events so we've we've got side events at the belgium netherlands the first side event is at the belgium netherlands and luxembourg pavilion um we submitted for all these three we've submitted applications the second is at the commonwealth uh, pavilion in uh, uh, in glasgow at cop uh -huh. yeah and the third is through at the university of glasgow so we've had uh, connections that we were able to build through and submitted applications with and and i'm very grateful for the campaigners in europe and uh, those outside the pacific for helping us also in taking this forward this sounds uh, sounds really big <laughs> it sounds like you know it, it, to me when i was reading your website and i was getting to kind of read a little bit more of what you you were all doing and i'm thinking Wow, this is like taking the world. <laughs> it, I mean, it is literally taking the world to the, to court. Those people who are, you know, producing a lot more uh, gas that we don't need in this world. So, uh, what's going to be your next, you know, the next step to this for the for the organization, getting more people involved, and then and then what? So, um, okay, I can take one. So. Um... Great. After COP is also after, after um, sort of raising awareness, as Vishala said, and just trying to get more people involved in the campaign. Um, the end of COP is also our opportunity to sort of strategize for our um, campaign um, objectives for next year. Okay. So yeah, that's that one has yet to be seen, but we have um, a bunch of ideas and um, a bunch of new supporters who are going to help us carry the campaign forward, especially now that Vanuatu will also be yeah. pursuing it through the UNGA. Yeah. It's a pretty exciting year and it is. lots it of is. things to look forward to. Yeah, it is a very exciting and and and, and I'm excited to see how Vanuatu is going to take this on. Like. For real, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Um, who, who, who's? Uh, I mean, I know it's the Vanuatu government, but who is the one particular person behind this? I'm, I'm assuming Ralph would be helping you guys, the Minister of Opposition. So the the whole government has has been quite supportive in this. So in their press release, they have uh, outlined that they they a special envoy that will be appointed to take this whole um, campaign forward. Um, and so we, we yet to see who the special envoy is at the moment. Um, but yes, the um, the government, the opposition, and collectively, I think the people of Vanuatu, they've all been supportive of this campaign. And and um, yeah, it's it's just a it's overwhelming support that we've seen, and that's that's great. Yeah, that that would be. Um, so as a as a law student yourself, um, how is this processing for for you? I mean. Are you practicing law right now, or are you are you still um, doing school? How is this like? You know, you, you, it seems to me like you know this is kind of like taking it and you know synthesizing all what you're learning and putting it into a practical world, you know, application. Um, how is that for you? Yeah, this is this is a full time job. Um, so <laughs> working full time with uh, with Solomon and and the team, uh, and I'm based in Fiji, so we're working together. 
Um, yeah, no, we're not practicing law, so we're uh, full, fully working for for this uh, for the PICCC. Okay, but, and how about you, Anita? How's that? Uh, is this exciting? Is this hopeful for the future? Is this uh, you know? Because I see, you know, for me, it's an exciting as as uh, someone who works a lot with uh, you know students. I I see. I tell them all the time, I said, you know, we have so many issues in the world right now. So how do you apply things that you learn in the classroom? How do you apply that into the real world? Because that's kind of where you really learn about, you know, <laughs> taking what you learn and all those degrees and then, you know, applying it. But before you go in, into the world, how does you start thinking about all this? So I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know, here's a group of Pacific Island students coming together, but then also taking what they're learning into the real world, not just for now, but preparing for the for the future. So how is that exciting for you? What, what does that make you, uh, how does it make you feel and hopeful for what the future looks like? It's been a very exciting thing for me. I feel super privileged to be able to not just um, study what I do in the classroom, but apply it mm -hmm. in the real world mm -hmm. through the work I'm involved in with mm. PISCC and the ICJAO. Um, mm. I think it's uh, it's really like it's very important to take what you learn in the classroom and apply to real life. And in, in my case, as, as someone who's still studying, it's like mm. I'm learning real life law on the mm. way through this AO, which is really, it, it's fulfilling. It's, it's very fulfilling. And mm. it makes me really hopeful for what um, the future may hold, especially now. The thing with AOs is that the advisory opinions is that, you know, it's it's not just um, um, a route to, you know, make people's make make states, you know, realize their obligations, but it's also a way to develop international law. It's yeah. Really, yeah. Um, especially with the um, a lot of the a lot of the um, ambiguity and uh, lack of clarity around the um, the Paris Agreement. Yes. Some of its um, uh, some of its provisions, as well as you know the general um, slowness or lack of action. I think the AO is one way to sort of you know push for that action, push for states to realize that they have rights obligations to their citizens. Mm -hmm. They also have an obligation to help um, developing countries with their obligations. Yeah. To their citizens. So that's yeah. what we're one of the things we're aiming for with, with yes. the advisory. Team. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, impressed with the work that you guys are doing because I can, um, you know, you kind of stand back and you, you see it. It's like having all your problems on the whiteboard and then you start to play with it and figuring out how is it going to work. And here's young, uh, you know, not just law students, but other students who are passionate about uh, human rights, passionate about what the world's going to look like tomorrow for, their, for our families and actually taking action in a more meaningful way rather than just... Uh, you know, uh, theoretical way that people say about something and they never go about to do it. And so to see young Pacific Island students taking on these roles and understanding it in a much deeper lived experience, I think it adds more to the story than just talking about it in general. So I'm really excited for the work that you guys are doing. I think that it's definitely, you know, getting atten attention because I, <laughs> I, I've been following some other groups, but then I'm realizing like, oh, okay, well, you know, the PISFCC is, is doing an amazing job. Uh, so I'm so glad that we're able to talk today. Is there anything that you both wanna, you know, maybe say that I'm, uh, I have not add to a discussion, something that you feel that needs to be said, um, you know, take, not the stage, but take the, the mat. <laughs> And, and talk about it. I guess the one thing I'd like to close with is to say that um, while this, in order to, for us to be successful in this campaign and in this push for an advisory opinion, it's going to be a whole of society approach and it's going to be as many people as we can get to get to come on board. And it's not just in the Pacific, but in order for us to succeed, we need at least a majority vote at the UN General Assembly. So that means 97 states to support this. And that means that this can reach a lot more people. And this campaign needs to reach a lot more countries because they are the ones that will hold the power to vote yes or no, whether it goes to the court or not. Mm. So we need young people to rise up wherever they are and to push their leaders, push their government officials uh, to seriously consider this. Now that you have a country that's willing to lead on this, it's it's um it's only 
uh, it's now even more important that young people stand to get their leaders to say, hey, where is this country? Where, where do you stand on this? Where does country A, B, C stand on the advisory opinion? And what are we doing about this? So, um, and that's uh, partly what all of this at COP uh, is all about. We were trying to get young people who will be at COP and all of them to just take this on into their countries, into their localities and, and just see what they can do about it. So I guess this would, would be from me a call to action for young people everywhere to recognize the threats of climate change, but also that there is there is some promise in, in a campaign such as this and to come on board and join us. Okay, very, very good. Um, so there you go, young people. If you're out there, you're listening to this. This is a call for action, not just uh, you know listening and watching other people doing it, but you need to get, do your part as well. How about you, Ani? Tell what what is the one message that you want to get across? Um, you know, you're in Vanuatu, uh, but again, a lot needs to be done. Anything that might get people excited, young people in particularly, and get you know message across to other nations around the Pacific to push this canoe out. And get it sailing. Uh, my advice to young people, especially you know, you know, as young Pacific Islanders, young Pacific people, we're often told, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be too loud. We should always sit down and let the adults do all the talking and all the working. Yeah. Well, I just want to let you know that you don't necessarily have to abide by that rule. Mm -hmm. If you look at the um the ICJ, the entire campaign and how it gained traction, it was all young people leading that leading that mm -hmm. movement. And so I just wanted to remind young Pacific people that you know there's power in your voice and there's there's impacts that can be made through your actions and you just have to you know stand up and say your voice, speak your truth, mm. and you know fight for your future because this is this is in the end the thing that's going to affect us all. It's this is this is a threat to our future. So there's no there's no time for you know um, <laughs> sitting down just because mom and dad says so. This is your time to really stand up and work for your yes. future. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you both enough, Anita and uh, Fisal, for coming to the mat with me today. I am so thankful that I was able to learn a little bit more about your work. And I am definitely sure that people will um, be able to reach out. Is can um, you know how, how can they reach you if they have any questions, young people who are listening, or maybe adults around the world? Because you know, we do have an audience of not just here in the United States, but all over the world. How can they reach uh, your organization and anyone in particular that they should reach out and, and maybe you know want to be able to help in some ways? There's a uh, there's a contact uh button in our website. So our website is pisfcc.org. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. there's a, they can always send a message. There's also a way to register to be a member. You can also um, send a message um, on Facebook and Twitter. And um, the people who or who watch those, uh, that will be Vishal and Solomon. They'll be, they'll, be, they'll be the ones to get in touch. Okay. So if you hear that, their uh, website, it's uh, www.bisfcc.org. Uh, you can go there. You can also reach out on them on Twitter. Uh, but again, we will have that on our broadcast for those who are interested. Um, you know, it's time for action. We are living in a time where we all need uh, climate change is, is our business. It's, uh, you know, we all have to be in this together. So thank you both for coming to the map with me and giving your time here. I know you both have a very busy schedule today and I'm uh, applaud and thank you for the work that you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Murray. Thank Pleasure you. to be here. Thank you. Finaka. Bye bye. Bye. My tomorrow must be greater than today. It's pain then a short that it cannot reach to you. His eyes in the blind, he cannot see your teeth. His ears are not deaf, that he cannot hear you cry. Your tomorrow must be greater than today. Your tomorrow must be greater than today. No matter what I face, no matter, no matter what I see.
in the morning, don't cry anymore, say one thing I know, one thing I know, hey, I'm tomorrow, wake up, oh my, 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 my. podcast is created and produced by Melanesian Women Today, a non-profit organization. Please visit our website at www.melanesianwomentoday.org. That is all one word. 
Melanesian Women Today envisions a Pacific region where every woman, girl, and child in their respective communities in Melanesia lives a productive, healthy, and fulfilling life. We are on a mission to improve the well-being and quality of lives and also to promote and improve leadership in women and girls in their communities. Please consider making a donation today on our website to support our work. Thank you for your support.